Welcome back to NC Realtors Redefine, the NC Realtors podcast. On this episode of Redefine, from our Mobile Monday series on Facebook, wife, mom, entrepreneur, and realtor Stephanie Lanier shares her tips on how to manage stress and self-care in a high-stakes competitive market. But first... At a recent meeting, the NC Realtors Executive Committee voted to transition the 2021 NC Realtors Convention and Expo to a virtual-only format. Here's 2021 NC Realtors President Kelly Marks. Hello, NC Realtors. You know, last week, the NC Realtors Executive Committee decided to transition the 2021 NC Realtors Convention and Expo to a virtual-only format. I want you all to know this was a very, very difficult decision. But it was also clear that many members and vendors were hesitant to commit to an in-person event. The future uncertainty made planning nearly impossible for the October event in Wilmington. The prudent course for the executive committee was to make a change before too many financial commitments had to be made. And by that, we mean we're very sensitive to the association dollars and your member dollars and did not want to go into a situation where we might incur serious financial losses. We're dedicated to the health and safety of our members and your investment in this organization. While we're disappointed, this is also great news for all NC Realtors, because by shifting now, we can confidently ensure everyone has a convenient access to world-class speakers and critical discussions. We extend our reach to more members across the state. We can give you the tools and insight you need to succeed in this competitive market, and that is our top priority. If you're currently registered for the 2021 NC Realtors Convention and Expo, You'll be notified via email with detailed instructions for your next step. If you had not yet committed or weren't sure you could travel to this event, this provides a new opportunity for you. So in the meantime, I look forward to being together again on our computer screens. I look forward to learning and connecting with everyone across the state. And I look forward to celebrating 100 years of advocacy, professionalism, and leadership. So take care, do something nice for yourself, and we'll see you in October. For more information and to register for the convention, visit ncrealtors.org slash convention. Hi there. Thank you guys so much for having me at the North Carolina Realtors. I'm Stephanie Lanier in Wilmington, North Carolina, and I have a team called Lanier Property Group. We're part of Intracoastal Realty, um, which is a family owned company which has been here a long time. And um, we have about 550 agents at Intracoastal Realty. So we go from Topsail Island all the way down to Bald Head. And so my team here, I'm the team leader. We have five other full-time agents and two full-time admin. Um, and so that's kind of the makeup of our team. And that's the perspective that I'll be talking from a little bit. But also I think it's important for you guys to know my background is as a clinical social worker. So I went to school to UNCW for undergrad and grad school and I have a master's degree in social work. So I came to real estate as a second career, probably like many of you did. And I come from this background that really I think informs this conversation about self-care and the things that no one talks about in real estate, which is how emotional and challenging it can be to deal both with clients who are going through some really stressful times, but also for us, for our stress in our industry, because it's a really, uh, a really challenging industry and certainly has been in the past little bit. So the first thing that I want to talk about when we talk about self-care is I just want to be really clear that this is not bonbons or bubble baths or, or 
I think sometimes self-care can get confused with self-indulgence. This is self-care being strategic so that you have your health and wellness so that you can be the best that you want to be for both yourself and for your clients. And so I thought I would start with a few things that set our industry apart. We have, y'all, we have a, oh, a kind of weird job, right? I mean, how many of you have like spouses or friends who get reviewed and ranked almost every week, right? I mean, that's just part of real estate is you're in team meetings, you're there with your brokerage, you're seeing how you're doing, how you're performing compared to your peers. You constantly have clients writing reviews, hopefully. That's always a, a really great strategy. It's helped us grow our business a lot, but it creates a level of stress that I think a lot of people in their industries just don't experience. They have a once a year performance review and every single deal that we do, we basically have that. Some of the other things that are different about our industry compared to others, especially in the context of self-care, this is an important thing to talk about really quick before we dive in. Our industry is urgent and it's unpredictable. And I think if you have friends or family who are like, oh, turn your phone off or take a break or you don't have to be on all the time, that can be a little bit inaccurate. We all know that if you're not available during at the end of a due diligence period in North Carolina, that's a problem. You need to be available. Um, things happen. Hot water heaters break in the middle of the night. I mean, there is a sense that I think we all feel that in order to be a great agent, we do need to be pretty available for our clients. And so that's different. And when I'm talking, I'm talking from my own experience. I want you guys to know, like, I'm, I'm living this out and it's not always easy and it's kind of messy, but having a self-care practice that's sustainable is absolutely critical for you in real estate and really important for you to be able to deliver the kind of service that you want to deliver to your clients, to grow your business, to be the kind of teammate um, that you want to work with too. Some of the other things that make our jobs really different than other people is like variable workflow. Okay. I don't know if I'm going to have a very busy weekend Truly, this coming weekend, I don't know what it will look like. I mean, I've got a few things on my calendar, but clients could pop up. Somebody could come from out of town. Somebody might want to list their house tomorrow. I don't know. It's so variable that it can be very difficult to plan. And I'm a planner, so that's hard for me. I don't know if you guys think it's hard either. But that makes self-care more challenging because self-care takes time. We have to help you figure out in this little 20-minute chat how you can have more time, because even if you know what you need to do for self-care, if you don't have more time, if you don't free up some resources, you're just not going to be able to do it. That's the honest truth, right? So I think that that's a really, really relevant conversation. And then the other thing that the social worker and me noticed right away in real estate, but no one talks about, is we are part of people's big life moments. Generally speaking, in residential real estate, people are either super happy or super sad. Either they got a promotion or they're having twins or they're moving to their dream neighborhood, something like that, right? A real positive thing or a really hard, difficult thing, a medical diagnosis, a divorce, um, an estate situation where they've lost someone and you have family members coming together. It is not a neutral thing to sell residential real estate for most people. If you work with investor clients, that's a different story. But for me, my, primarily my practice is with people who are buying and selling homes or even second homes and vacation properties have tons of emotions and layers to them. And so you are being invited into people's sacred space. And because of that, the emotional load of our jobs is so often neglected when people talk about real estate. And yet it's just critical that we make sure that we're taking care of that in addition to doing marketing and closing deals and all this other stuff. I mean, if you're not healthy from the inside out, then real estate 
is probably going to lead you to a burnout. It's just too demanding, especially emotionally when it comes to kind of stepping into that divorce or stepping into that loss or even the really positive things, stepping into the dream house. So I think those are really important things. The final piece is that, you know how we always say it's people's biggest investment, which is generally true, but we're so, we've talked about that so much, like it's so overused. I want you to think about this, that we're, we're entering into the sacred space, this big life moment. When people buy or sell real estate, it's like a dot on their life. You know, if this is your life and it's like, get married, buy a house, have kids, move to another house, pick up a beach house, sell the beach house, whatever, we're interacting with that. But these decisions that people are making financially, yes, they're big, but they set up their future. Can they retire early? Have they invested in the right neighborhood? Are they going to be able to send their kids to college? Um, because they pay too much for their house or they're unhappy or have to sell it. I mean, the, the purchase of residential real estate fundamentally changes people's financial future. And that's why it's such a big deal. That's why it's such a big responsibility. And we feel that, right? We want to help people get it right if we can. So that's what makes our industry so different than any other industries out there. And I think that we owe it to ourselves to stop and give ourselves a little bit of credit because that's different than most any industry that I've encountered that I know of. So one of the things that I like to remind myself of when I get really stressed, which is somewhat frequently, is that real estate is cyclical. The intensity, like, you know, when you have a bunch of deals going sideways or you have a really difficult, really difficult co-broke agent that you're just not vibing with, or maybe they're new and don't really know, whatever is creating that friction, you have to remember it's not always going to be like this, right? and have to speak that over yourself sometimes. That's the good news about real estate. Everybody is probably gonna go through, I think there are probably two or three seasons every year where I get enough deals, enough challenges that I just, I feel pretty overwhelmed. And I have to remind myself, it's going to get better. I'm gonna get this house closed or we're gonna get this property finally listed and get it through these hurdles. Whatever it is, it is cyclical. And then, you know, one of the things that I think is also important to think about with stress and real estate is that I think we're really bringing like a knife to a gunfight. The amount of stress we have in real estate is significant. This has got to be one of the more stressful jobs on earth. I, I feel sure of it. And we don't have the right tools for self-care. I mean, you going away for a girlfriend's trip for a weekend is fantastic, but that is not an everyday practice that's going to sustain you. We have the wrong tools. I, I was thinking about it a few months ago about the self-care topic actually presented for some realtors up in Toronto, Canada. And I was envisioning us as realtors going to like a jungle, a jungle of stress, right? And we're trying to hack it back. And instead of having a machete, like something that would actually really, really help us cut down on our stress, we've got like a pair of kid scissors, right? They don't even cut. And we're on our hands and knees trying to just like cut a little vine where we really need to make for many of us very significant changes over the long term for our self-care. So I'm going to try to give you some ideas somewhere between kid scissors and a machete for how you can work on your self-care, but realizing that we have a disproportionately stressful job. And if we don't take both responsibility um, and feel empowered to, to take care of ourselves, I don't know that anybody's going to really stop and ask us about that. That's part of the beauty of being independent contractors and doing our own thing, but that's part of the responsibility too. Um, so, one of my concerns every time I talk about self-care is that you're taking better care of your car than your body. And I'm talking about maintenance. If you are getting your oil changed as frequently as you should, assuming you don't have an electric car, 
then you are thinking about this at least probably once or twice a year, maybe more than that, depending on how many miles you're driving. And the question is, have you made your annual appointment with your doctor? Have you been to the dentist, at least in Wilmington? This is a really big deal in coastal communities, but really everywhere in North Carolina. Have you been to the dermatologist? Are you doing the basic maintenance things for your own self and your body that you were doing for your vehicles? If you're not, I invite you to think about how you can take better care of yourself. Even if it is every time your car has to have the oil changed, you think through, oh, have I been to the dentist? Do I need to make a doctor's appointment? Is there anything I need to check on? Oh, I have a weird mole I need to call someone about. In real estate, my experience is agents get so busy. These are the things that just accidentally people were supposed to get that colonoscopy last like year, but they kind of forgot about it and they didn't do it. And so I think these are really, really important things. We have to be preventative with our health. We have to be proactive. And so I like to use the car as a trigger and I like to use birthdays. So on your birthday is a great time to kind of look back at your year and say, did I take reasonable maintenance care of my body? Right. I'm not talking about like working out, losing weight, doing health and wellness stuff. I'm just saying maintenance, you know, keeping this one body that you have as healthy as possible. So you're stressed, right? You're overwhelmed. That's probably why you're watching this or you're curious about what this girl's going to say about self-care. And so I have some tips for you before we get into the actual self-care practices, like what are some things you can do? First, I want to I want to teach you some things that you can think because your brain is going to be the, the foundational part. The way you think about this, and it's true in everything in real estate mindsets, everything, right? So the way that we think about things and the questions we ask ourselves are going to unlock our ability to understand what self-care practices will work in our lives. I'm not going to give you a prescription. I have no idea what you need to do. I don't know what the answer is for you, but I'm going to try to help you figure out what you can add to your life to decrease your stress level. So the first question that you should be asking yourself when you feel really overwhelmed and stressed about that situation is, is this a problem or a pattern? Is this a problem or a pattern? If it's a problem, maybe it's a one-off, maybe it happened twice, but it's going to go away. You can push through it. You can bring some, hopefully get some support from someone, some positivity, and just know that this thing is going to change. But if you have a pattern with a person, with a client, with a situation that is possible for you to disrupt and stop because it's not healthy, that is when you need to step in. So when you're overwhelmed, you need to figure out, do I have a problem or a pattern? I realized I had a pattern of a certain kind of buyer client that was not a good fit for me. They tended to be um, investors who wanted a response immediately from me. And because I have so many different things going on in my life personally, I have a medically fragile son, Oliver. He requires an enormous amount of care. He is medically fragile. He has autism. He's a cancer survivor. He has epilepsy. I mean, his care is so extreme that that's why I take self-care so seriously. Um, it's not a luxury for me. And I have to take care of myself so I can take care of my son. And so that's part of why I'm so, so interested in self-care and, you know, we, again, when we think about is this a pattern or a problem, some of those clients who, who turned out to be, it was a pattern of clients that I couldn't serve well. And I was so stressed out because it's like, you know, I texted you 15 minutes ago and you're like, I'm, I'm sorry, I'm in an appointment with my son for his health and, and I'm not able to respond. I don't know that anybody is, but I'm not the right fit for you. And, and, and in a nice way, in many ways, I made referrals for them to someone who knew the area. Uh, specifically better when they were looking for some kind of investment. Some of them needed to be referred out to a commercial agent. But my point being, I noticed a pattern among, there were like 
three clients that I had, one was a listing and two were buyers, where I just wasn't able to serve them. And some of their expectations and needs didn't match up with what I had available. And it's not just a luxury of an experienced agent to do this. No deal is worth your mental health. No deal is worth your mental health. That is really important to know in, as a new agent, as an experienced agent, as an agent who's been in the business for 20 or 30 years. It's just not worth it. <laughs> your life is short. And it's been a really challenging year and a half for people. And so if, if you've got a client, you've got a pattern of clients or situations that are causing you real stress that, that are beyond the norm for you, I recommend that you step in and, and you interrupt that pattern. The next thing that you certainly want to ask yourself is like when you're really stressed, you know, what do you do? Do you sit on the couch and watch Netflix and eat a bucket of ice cream? Um, maybe you go online and buy some things. Maybe you play a video game. Maybe you get lost in a book or a novel or reality TV show, whatever it is. When you're doing these things, a really good question to ask yourself as it pertains to self-care is, are you nourishing yourself or are you numbing yourself? Are you nourishing yourself or numbing yourself? So for me, a nourishing choice I could make would be to go to bed early. A numbing choice that I would make is to scroll through Instagram mindlessly. And I feel worse probably when I got off Instagram because it looked like other people had better days or great things were happening or <laughs> even, you know, I'm, I'm shopping for something that I don't need, right? So understanding how to nourish yourself versus numb yourself is so important, especially in real estate. And even if you say, hey, I'm, I'm choosing to numb myself right now, like I, I need to literally have to turn it off. That's okay, just know what you're doing, right? There's a difference. So a nourishing choice for me would be to go for a walk with a friend. First of all, I'm getting the social interaction, which is so critical for all of us, for our support, for our stressful relief, for self-care. I'm outside of nature and I'm getting movement. I don't really even like the word exercise because I think it conjures up like Jane Fonda stuff. It's movement, moving your body is really so good for you in so many different ways. So if you go for a walk outside with a friend, you've checked off three really amazing free things you can do for yourself for self-care. The other thing that is kind of helpful to think about when you're really stressed about something, um, and this is true for real estate or personal, and there's actually um, psychology behind all of this uh, stuff that I'm talking about, but especially this idea, which is, I call it going on the balcony. It's the idea that you sort of step back from your life, you zoom back, and you sort of get a perspective. There's a book that I just read that's awesome called Chatter, and it talks a lot about this, about self-talk and all the different sorts of things that, that could be happening um, when you're talking to yourself. But one of the things that it recommends is asking yourself, will this be important in another year? So in one year, will this deal client situation be important? Will it be important in five years? And there are deals that in five years will matter. If it's your first luxury, uh, your first luxury listing, your first waterfront listing, or your first opportunity to sell, I don't know, a, a duplex, something that you've always wanted to do, a neighborhood or um, a type of client that you wanted to serve, an opportunity. There are things you remember five years later, but a lot of things you don't. And getting perspective is actually at the core of wisdom. Wise people have perspective. It's what they have. And it's hard to create perspective when you're stressed because your body is like actually in fight or flight mode. Even though you're not doing this consciously, subconsciously, your body is thinking you're running from a tiger. You cannot get perspective in that place. So being able to zoom out is so important and will help you in the most stressful real estate situations really respond in a way that you want to. And one of the things I like to ask myself is, am I responding 
to this issue, challenge, stressful situation, or am I reacting? And I can know if I'm reacting because my emotions will be high. I'll be angry, frustrated, stressed. I feel like I want to cry. I will have an emotional response to it, and I know I'm reacting. And I tend, I try not to respond via phone call, email, or text until I get a little perspective from it. That is really good self-care because it keeps you from getting into escalating challenges because you just didn't have time to kind of get that perspective and cool down a little bit. So what can you do for self-care? So I've got um, two kind of like exercises in addition to these questions, right? So you're asking, is it a problem or a pattern? Are you nourishing or numbing? Are you responding or reacting? Are you going to care about in one year? What about five years? Right? That's a great question. And then next, here's here's one of the things, because we need to find time for you to practice self-care, right? Because that's probably what you're thinking. It's like, oh, this is great, um, but I don't have any time. So one of the ways that you can find and create time is to say no to more things, which we've all heard a million times, right? And there's some book or quote that talks about, like, if it isn't, you know, if it isn't a yes, it should be a no. Like, you should be like, heck yes, I want to do this volunteer thing, or I want to lead VBS at church, or I really want to run a triathlon, like whatever these things are. If you feel really jazzed about it, that's great. But I think for me, most of the time, I'm just people ask me to do stuff. I want to be helpful. I want to be um, seen as like a team player and a person who's able to, to help make things happen. So that kind of like question about heck yes, like, do I really feel jazzed did not help me. One of the ways it's helped me to say no is for me to think about, would I get up early to do this thing? That's a different question, right? Would you get up early to train for the triathlon? Would you get up early to teach a class at church? Would you get up early to volunteer on a committee? And if you wouldn't, you probably possibly might want to say no to open up some time for the things that you would be willing to get up early for. And you have to think about the true cost of something. It's not just the money. It's the time it's taking you and the energy. Like you don't have an endless amount of energy. We all have a different amount of energy each day. And what you're spending your energy on is absolutely critical. So I think this question of would I get up early to do this, this thing, whatever the thing is, will help you clarify and create some boundaries. Because if you want to have self-care practices, you're going to have to have boundaries in order to create that time. So that's helped me so much because I think in the beginning of my self-care journey with, with our son, Oliver, when he began to get sick, I just did not have context around what this looked like. And I was saying yes to everything. And uh, clearly, you, you only have so much time. And so I think it's just really important to figure out where the boundary lines need to be. And for me, there are self-care practices. Like for me, sleep is my number one self-care practice, which we'll talk about in just a minute. Um, and not a lot gets between me and my sleep. Like... It would have to be like a concert with my favorite band for me to be up past 1030 under like virtually any circumstances. I really, really, really started to invest in my sleep about five years ago and really research sleep and see how it could help me. So one of the things that will help you as you're we're talking about these self-care practices and like what can you do is on a scale of one to 10, try to check in with yourself every morning if you can to see how stressed you are. A 10 is like, oh my gosh, I'm super overwhelmed. Um... I have no bandwidth. I would not say yes to anything right now. I'm just barely surviving. I'm hanging on by a thread. And a one is probably not any of us right now because you'd be on vacation. That's when everything is cool. Everything's good. You may be on day five of the vacation. You know, like you, you're not stressed. Your phone isn't exploding with clients who need you. 
And so somewhere in between is where most people are. I think if you're a team leader, if you're a broker owner, if you're a broker in charge, asking the people around you, scale of one to 10, where are you today, is so helpful because you do not always know what people are carrying around with them. And it might be personal and you don't need to know the details. They don't have to tell you, but it helps you know, oh, wow, okay, so-and-so is really stressed today. Let's give them more support. Let's give them more backup. Let's write a nice note. Let's bring them a coffee, right? You can care for people if you have some idea of where they are on the spectrum. And some people, when they're stressed, really do shut down. Other people, you can totally tell. <laughs> they can't hide it. Um, but it's a great question. One to 10, where are you? So we ask that on our team every Monday. I kind of check in with all the agents, with the folks who do our admin as well to figure out, okay, where are we as a team and how do we support each other? So when you think about self-care, self-care at its core is about self-regulation, being able to regulate yourself, knowing what you need physically, mentally, spiritually, emotionally to be healthy, not to be perfect, but to be healthy, to have some resilience, right? To have a little bit of like, give to not be a rubber band that's so pulled so far it's just going to pop at any moment i remember telling my therapist um it was last october it was just like this really stressful season i had a bunch of client deals that were going sideways and then my son oliver was having some health issues we since then have had a surgery for him which was very helpful but i just i felt like i was rubber band just being pushed like or being pulled at, i mean i was like i feel like it's gonna snap that is a really, really vulnerable place to be. And I think we've all been there, but that is when you have to ramp up self-care. I know it is the last logical thing you think to do is like, oh, I'm going to pull back and take time for myself and I need to do stuff. But when you feel like a rubber band who's been stretched to the limits, that's when you have to take action. So for me, one of the first things you need to do with self-care is ask for help. You're going to have to delegate some stuff probably. If you have abled body adults in your home or even... I don't know, eight years old, 10 years old, they can fold laundry. It turns out a lot of people can fold laundry. <laughs> I'm amazed at how many people are hanging on to something like that. It's like, oh, I can't delegate anything. I'm like, tell me what you do all day. I will find things that if you have people in your life that love you, that live in your home, probably can help you. If you're single or live alone, okay, I'll give you that. Uh, laundry is not going to magically fold itself, but there are so many different ways that we can give ourselves a little bit of help and allow ourselves to not be superwoman all the time or superman. You know, there was a season early on in my career in real estate where I felt like I had on this cape all the time, you know, like running around and doing all this stuff in the community and trying to build a real estate career and try to be a good wife and a good daughter and a good friend and fill in the blank. And I felt like that, that little cape around my neck was going to choke me. I mean, it, it felt like I had, I had tied it so tight. I had so closely hung on to this idea, like I have to do it all. And it, it's like, it's helpful to take it off every once in a while, right? Like even, even the superheroes do that. They have another personality where they like go back to like some kind of reasonable uh, pacing in their life. And so I have this uh, little tote bag that says my cape is at the dry cleaners. And I love that because it reminds me, there are times we all have to do that. You have to kind of push through with superhuman strength because something hard is happening personally, professionally, or both. But you also have to know when to take the cape off and how to take care of yourself, how to excel and take that deep breath. Sleep, I wanna tell you about my sleep kind of discoveries and that sort of thing. So our son Oliver, with all of his medical issues, uh, his care is really challenging. And so one of the things that I started researching was sleep. And I had been getting up early to work out, but I didn't work out very well in the morning because 
I was tired and I woke up at four o'clock thinking I was going to have to get up at five o'clock. It really disrupted my sleep as well. And so the more that I learned about sleep, the more that I figured out, oh, this is a force multiplier. If you get this one thing right with your health, you can get other things better. And I have to say I was already a good sleeper. Like I was already good at sleeping. So I was like, what if I become great at sleeping? And so I've taken it really seriously. I have this thing called an aura ring. I don't wear it. Um, because it's, uh, I think it's ugly, um, but I wear it at night and while I'm sleeping, it gives all this data and it's very interesting and I've learned a lot more about my sleep and it's helped me be, I would say that the thing that that ring has helped me the most with is to be conscious of a consistent bedtime, which I was already pretty aware of, but you know, that can be hard to do in our jobs in particular. So sleep has just been so, so helpful for, um, for us and, and for our family. And then I would say, for me, making sure that I have the emotional support, that, that you need to be in a supportive office. You need to have a broker in charge who has your back. If you do have a spouse or a partner or a husband or a wife that, that really can be supportive of you as you're going through a really hard job in a crazy once in a lifetime market that you're trying to, to work through. And so I think if you need more emotional support, it is not too much to ask for you to have a soft place to land. It's not. If you don't have that personally, then you have to have it professionally. If you don't have a soft place to land at home for whatever reason, that's not a place where you're getting the support that you need for this career, for this job, then you have to have an office, a broker in charge or a team leader or somebody who can be that person for you. So I encourage you to think about that in your life. If you have it, you're really lucky and, and hopefully you're that person for other people that you work with. But if you don't, I think that that's part of a big self-care practice. So some other like quick things before we sign off um, that you can do hydration. So I've been talking the whole time and haven't drank any water, but hydration is absolutely key. We have an abundance of clean drinking water. It is hot in North Carolina right now, but hydration will fix headaches, digestion issues, feeling hungry, feeling grumpy. It, it controls your mood. I mean, it is along with sleep free and something you have to do every day. So these are areas of self-care where I think we, we want to focus on like, oh, I'm going to get a massage or I'm going to see a therapist. All those, that's great. And I think you should do those things. But today you can start by taking your sleep more seriously and getting the hydration that you need. The simple little building blocks are actually what people who have good self-care practices have. You won't see them doing all these crazy elaborate things in general. They'll just have a lifestyle of self-care. And that is how you sustain that over the long term, which I think is just you know, one of those super helpful things. So I know that we're probably close to our time here. So thank you guys so much for coming on this um, Mobile Monday presentation and I hope you have a great day. For more of this presentation and other exclusive content, be sure to join the NC Realtors Mobile Mondays group on Facebook. Do you have feedback on a story or topic that you'd like to hear covered on this podcast? Then give NC Realtors Redefine a call at 336-550-4437. When leaving your voicemail, be sure to tell us your name and where you're from. Your comments may be used on a future episode of NC Realtors Redefined. Be sure to catch up on every episode of NC Realtors Redefined by subscribing to our podcast on iTunes, Google Podcasts, Spotify, or SoundCloud.